You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Not quite, big voice guy. Once again, it is Rami without Mackie and Judd. And once again, Manny Hill is here. Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass. And a jam-packed afternoon for you between now and 6. We'll talk uh, some Timberwolves with Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press. He joins us at 4.20. At 5 o'clock, we'll write things down. Derek Wetmore, our Twins reporter, he'll join us from Twins Spring Training coming up at 5.20. And as always, we wrap with Royce at 5.40. A question for you, Manny, and you, Jonathan, off the top here. Uh, Do Mm -hmm. we got to talk about Robert Kraft? Do we got to be sports talky guy and talk about... A story that at Unless first you have anything else that's going to add to it. A, no, I don't say we. It was a story. To. It was a story that at first, like you wanted to laugh at. You hear about you know mm-hmm. a famous, rich, powerful guy getting caught with a prostitute, and there are jokes to be had there. And especially, of course, myself being a comedian yeah. in my off hours, there are lots of jokes to be had there. But then you find out that it's a much more serious story than a rich, powerful, famous man getting caught with a prostitute, and there is a sex trafficking ring going on that he apparently walked into, or at least that's that's what we know for now, right? Like, yeah, we know he's charged with misdemeanor, uh, misdemeanor of soliciting prostitution. Other than that, we really don't know much about the case. Is that is could that be all we say about it for the rest of the afternoon and have some fun okay today? With that. Yeah, we'll yeah. Okay. Well, it was it was interesting because Myron and I earlier today uh, during Purple Daily we filled out a couple callers. We were we were pretty heavy on this topic for pretty much the first segment of the show for about twenty minutes, and we got a call from someone that basically said, "Oh yeah, let's talk more about the owners that aren't doing these things." And hey, the twins signed Marwin Gonzalez earlier today. Why don't we talk about that? And well, first of all, it's, it's Purple Daily. It's purple Daily. We talk football <laughs> during Purple Daily. And second of all, I mean this. At that time, this story was very fresh. This story right. was basically about 90 minutes old right. as far as everybody knowing about it. So it's, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you, you can't pretend like it doesn't, like it's not happening and it does need to be talked about. But I will say we have pretty much on this station talked about it ad nauseum for the last probably four hours now, and I'm pretty much ready to All I'll on. say is this, is that <laughs> until I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume that he didn't know that there was a sex trafficking ring going on. Right. I, I will not buy his his deni- his complete denial, though, that he did, that there was no wrongdoing. Like, he just, like, oh, I just went to get a massage. Like, no, you didn't, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You knew no, where you were going. From the New York Times story? <laughs> yeah. It's in a strip mall. There's no way a guy like Robert Kraft is going to a strip mall. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no. Robert Kraft. A guy with that much money ain't going to a strip mall to get a massage. He does not go to the strip strip mall massage parlor. That that is not a place that Robert Kraft frequents unless there is a good reason to frequent it. And I don't think people realize, too, especially some of the ones that called into me and Myron earlier today, I don't think they realize, like, how incredibly serious this is. Like, if Robert Kraft knew about, 
all of the other right. apparent details yes, this of is this a, story. This is a much bigger story. It is major, major, major. And we saw Adam Schefter talk about earlier about how there is apparently a bigger name oh. involved in this. Oh, okay. Than Robert Kraft. And all right. So I'm very eager to see you know who that bigger name is or who the, who those bigger names are. But uh, this is a pretty you know. Pre knowing more about the story, jokes aside, this is a pretty um, this is a pretty intense story. Well, unless I'm, there are, I'm anxious to find out more. Unless there are further developments between now and six, that will be the extent of which exactly. we talk about it on this show this afternoon. There is local sports news to talk about and weird sports news to talk about. Carl Anthony Towns made the trip with the team to New York, but the Timberwolves Center is going to sit it out because uh, he was involved in a car accident on uh, on Thursday on his way to the airport. They said he did manage to make it to New York via a commercial flight, but is not 100%. They're calling him a game-time decision. I would guess he, he doesn't play tonight. And Manny, um, I don't know about... Actually, I know you said it. you said it in an email. When I heard it, I was like, man, New York drivers... Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's the first thing that came to mind. First thing that came to my mind when yeah. I heard the news that he was in a car accident, but it actually happened in the Twin Cities on his way to the airport, not which, not in New York. To which my response was then Minnesota drivers. <laughs> okay, I mean let's be honest. I mean, All I right. mean, come on, like and so, Jonathan, you know, you do traffic updates. You know, during this time of the day now, I and I was an sitting in that chair every day. I know. You yeah. know, just just a month ago, I was sitting in that chair every day and doing traffic updates and reading these updates of people not oh, yeah. driving, especially in these wintry conditions. I mean, people got to get their stuff together, man, on the road. Come on. Okay, so yeah, it's not just me, right? It's not just me. It's not just a new guy in town. Oh who's, no, who's not used no, no, to no. the way you guys drive yet? Like people. I think there was a ranking done a couple years ago. One of the major newspapers or someone did a ranking of all the drivers in all the states, and we came in like pretty near last. Okay, one state right. below us. Okay, because I thought I thought I was crazy. I thought I I thought I was no, the one who, who just didn't know how to drive with you people. But it's you. It, it, it's that you people in the Twin Cities don't know how to drive, right? This, this is a real thing. I'm Correct. not imagining things. Okay. No, you're, you're, you're not imagining anything. Now at all. I will say this: in this in these wintry conditions. I kind of don't blame people in the Twin Cities because what is going you on? Should with, blame them though. No, what is going on with the streets? Like you, what is happening with the streets after it snows? It is. It, are there is there seems to be and the guys who are doing it. This isn't a knock on them. They're working harder than I have mm-hmm. my whole life, but. There doesn't seem to be much plan or coordination in the cleaning of the streets in the Twin Cities after snowstorms. That's very true. Okay. But I, but I, but so I will say this. another thing I'm imagining. I will say this as somebody who is 34 years old, soon to be 35, and has lived in the state of Minnesota my entire life. Yeah. There are a lot of drivers here who are just idiots. <laughs> they just are. So you don't they, think? They, look, you think Ronnie, they should be able to handle? You these have streets. to know how to drive, and if if you like, you just move here, so you get right. you get a pass. Okay, thank you. You totally one hundred percent get a pass. But there are people in this state who have lived here <laughs> their entire damn lives, and they still 
drive as though they just moved here yesterday. By the way, if you want to get in on the show, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. I'm so glad that we are talking about this right now because I, I thought... I thought I was the new guy in town who just just didn't get it, like th- that there was something wrong with me, like I said. But these are problems that you all notice, right? Yes. That people can't drive and, and that the streets are a mess after any snowstorm. And now Carl Anthony Towns has been the victim of it. Well, well, here's the thing. And we the, we don't know if Carl Anthony Towns has been the victim you of it. You think he might have been the, the, maybe, the crappy maybe driver Kat, himself? I don't know. And I and we certainly hope that Cat is okay. If and the Twin Cities rubbed off on him and he like can't that, drive either now? I mean, Cat's been living here for almost four years now. He's been a Minnesotan <laughs> for almost four years. So Cat's one of us, too. And he's only what, like 23? He's 23. So yeah. most of his driving, I'm assuming he got his license at the age of 16. Most of his driving mm-hmm. has happened in, the, I mean, he's basically learned how to drive in, in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is Cat grew up in the East Coast. He grew up in New Jersey. He's from New Jersey. So, you know, we know drivers over there are probably a little crazy, too. So, I mean, Cat's been around crazy drivers, too. And I don't know. Like, we don't, obviously, we don't know what happened in the situation with Cat, and hopefully he's... We assume somebody was a right, crappy driver. Somebody, in, in, if you get into an accident or a crash, I genuinely like to re- refer to them as crashes, uh-huh. not necessarily accidents, uh-huh. in the state of Minnesota, mm-hmm. somebody did something wrong. <laughs> yeah, somebody did something you wrong. You can assume that in most accidents or crashes, as you In every it, accident, it, it, yes, but in okay. Minnesota especially. In def- every Most definitely, yes. All right. Let's get to the basketball ramifications of this whole thing. So I yes. saw this news today, and my first thought was, it doesn't sound serious, and that's good, and let's hope that it's nothing big and Carl right. Anthony Towns is fine. But I also had another thought, Manny, mm-hmm. which is this. I see I see opportunity here. I, li- I like to look at, at every situation and even setbacks and try and find the opportunity in it. Okay. This is a basketball team that, as we went through – on on the uh, Raised by Wolves show yesterday, and you can find that at scorenorth.com or wherever you download podcasts, just search Score North Wolves. Um, they're not going to make the playoffs. No, they're not. Danny went through the schedule with me, and it's going to be very hard for them to even be above 500 from here on out. And they're they're not. They're probably in all likelihood not going to make the playoffs. So now, yeah. now we have our sights set on the lottery pick, right? Mm-hmm. And the more games you can lose, the better, right? Yes. Would it be the worst thing in the world if the Timberwolves, after Carl Anthony Towns got in this fender bender, lost the game tonight? He was further evaluated by team doctors and something going on with his back. We don't really know what it is, but there's something going on with his back. And just sort of milk this injury and sit him out for a good long while, maybe even the rest of the season, and really tank this thing. Really, really tank this thing for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I think. I mean, you could if they wanted to, they could certainly go that route. Am I um, crazy again? This is like the fifth time I've asked this question in this segment, which probably means I am. I don't but know if am you're I crazy? crazy, but I, I will, I will push back a little bit on this idea that I think if you are Ryan Saunders and. I, if you ask me if Ryan Saunders is going to be the head coach of this team next year and have the interim tag lifted, I would say yes. I think it's it's fairly likely that he would be, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. And I think if you're in if you're sitting in Ryan Saunders' shoes, I think you are 
trying to coach this team to the best of your abilities and you're trying to I mean, I think they still have the mindset of they want to make the playoffs. Like you and I just said, they're not going to make the playoffs. No. It's not very likely at all. But I think that they are still going to try and win and win games and try and be in a competitive mode. Now, how many more games they'll win? They've got 25 left, including tonight. We'll see. But I do think that I do think that they are in try to win as many games and try and be as competitive as we possibly can mode. And when you look at this roster, they're, this is kind of the tough spot that they're in. You've got Tyus Jones very close to returning. I don't know if he's returning tonight or not. We can ask that to Jace in the next segment. Um, you've got Robert Covington, their best defensive player, returning very, very soon, I would think. I'd so send him down, too. <laughs> I would just go. Well, I would you go, know what? That, that is, I would go full-out take. I would sit Robert Covington you down, know what? too. There, I, and, and you know what? That's, that's a theory that I would totally listen to because when you're dealing with, like, a knee bruise, like what he's been dealing with, that's one that you don't – that's an injury you don't want to – really mess around with. I feel like there are guys there are guys I need to find something out about. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Tyus Jones I need to find something out about. Uh Josh Kogi I still need to find some things out about. Dario Saric. Dario Saric you're trying to find some things yeah. out about. Even Derek Rose you're trying to decide whether or not you should bring him back. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? But there are there are guys on this roster also who you sort of know who and what they are. And you're not going to learn anything in these last 25 games. I know who Andrew Wiggins is. It, it, yeah. ain't, it ain't good. It ain't good. No. I, I know who I know who Robert Covington is. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I know who Carl Anthony Towns is. Also very very good. I don't need those guys to play the last 25 games to find something out about them. And I can sort of grade Ryan Saunders on a curve, can't I? The on on the if I if I was to pull the rug out from under him and yeah. and, and sit Carl Anthony Towns for an extended period. I can grade him on a curve, can't I? Yeah, I think you can, but I think if you're I think you can grade him better if you know that he is and and he can grade himself maybe better if he knows for sure that he's going to be the guy going into next season. But I don't think I think it's likely that he be that he's the guy. I think it's I think things are in his favor to be the guy because he's already in place. The players like him. He obviously, with with his dad, Flip, he has a connection with the organization and the franchise and all of that. And from what we've heard and what we understand, Glenn Taylor, the owner, really likes him a lot. That A lot of people like Ryan Saunders, and they think he has a future as a head coach. Sure. So I think the likelihood of him being the head coach next year and having the interim tag lifted is fairly high, but we don't know that for sure, and Ryan doesn't know that for sure. So I think if you're Ryan Saunders, you want Robert Covington to play. If he's healthy, that's a big part of it. If he's healthy, you want Robert Covington to play. And me personally, Rami, while I'm not really rooting for this team to make the playoffs because I want them to have a lottery pick and have a shot at Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett or somebody like that, Sure, I I do want to see... Ryan Saunders get a fully healthy roster just to see what they look like. Like we know Carl Anthony Towns is very good. We know Robert Covington is very good, but Ryan Saunders is different from Tom Thibodeau. And so he's going to be coaching defense. He's going to be scheming defensively differently maybe than Tom Thibodeau has. And I want to see what that looks like with this team's best defensive player, and that's Robert Covington on the floor. Just, but I totally understand the right. idea of, okay, 
might need to shut this guy down for the season because of the injury. And we already know he's good and we already know he's probably going to be a big part of the future. We want to make sure that that knee is fully healthy. But I think if that knee is fully healthy, which it might be fairly soon, then I think Covington needs to play. I'm a big tank guy. Like when I sure. when I decide to tank, I I look for every possibility, every opportunity that I can get to tank and really really lose more games. You know what I mean? That's yeah. when when I go into tank mode, that's how I operate. I don't there's there's no there's no holding back in terms of how hard I will try to lose. And I want them <laughs> okay. and believe me, I want this team to I if if this team is not going to make the playoffs, I want them to get into the lottery and somehow get into the top 3 or 4. Because I, I'm I'm and I'm not a scout, I'm not an expert. I'm really personally I'm really high on like the top three or four guys in this draft. And right. That's Zion Williamson, that's RJ Barrett, that's Cam Reddish, that's John Morant from Murray State. Like those guys, if the Wolves can get themselves in a position to get one of those four guys, I think that could put them in the right direction. Because they that's if they're ever gonna get to a point where they're winning and contending for a championship, that's going to be getting one of those guys, I feel like, is going to be a, a step in that direction. And as far as Saunders goes, um, Judd has said this a number of times on this very show, and I agree with him. Um, I, I like the dude. I'm rooting for him. I like what I've seen from the team since he took over for Tibbs. But I think that the right thing to do is whoever is your next GM or president of basketball operations, they shouldn't be forced to inherit Ryan Saunders. I think that's a choice yep, that I agree. they should get. Uh, maybe a strong recommendation from the ownership and, and whatever brain trust remains after whatever house cleaning goes on this offseason. Mm-hmm. If he comes with a strong recommendation, uh, that's one thing. But to, to hire a GM and say, Ryan Saunders will be your first head coach, that's not a position I like to put any coach in, in or any, any GM in in any Absolutely. sport. I 100% agree. And that's why I think, that's why I would like to see Ryan get this roster fully healthy so that he can get so that he'll have an opportunity to really show what he is capable of with a fully healthy roster, or at least a roster that's as close to full strength as you would, you would want. So that, that incoming GM, whoever that may be, can actually get a realistic look at what Ryan Saunders did as an interim head coach and then make, make the right decision necessary. I get that. I just want the lottery pick. We'll talk more Wolves <laughs> with uh, Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press after a short break. You're listening to Mackie and Judd with Rami. No Mackie, no Judd, but Manny's here. Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass. If you want to get in on the show, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at SKOR North. We're back right after this. Phil Mackey here from the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. We've made it easier than ever to find our team-centric Minnesota sports podcast. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, just search Score North, that's S-K-O-R, and you'll find Score North Vikings, for instance, which includes Purple Daily, Purple Podcast, and Vikings Ventline. Score North Wolves includes Raised by Wolves, Myron Medcalf on Hoops, and more. Score North Twins includes Touch Em All, Royce on Baseball, and more, and so on. Just search Score North, S-K-O-R, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Mackie and Judd out. Rami in with Manny. Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass. We'll write things down at 5 o'clock and hold each other accountable for things that we've written down before. But joining us now on the show, you read his work covering the Timberwolves for the Pioneer Press. It is Jace Frederick. Jace, first chance I've had to talk to you, man. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. 
Absolutely. Hey, welcome to the Twin Cities, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, let me open things up with a crackpot theory I had. That's how I'll introduce myself to you, Jace. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that Carl Anthony Towns got in the car accident today, and it looks like nothing serious. Thank God we all want the best for Carl Anthony Towns here in the Twin Cities. But... I asked I asked Manny in the first segment. I'll ask you now. Would it be the worst thing in the world if the Timberwolves said, you know, we had him further evaluated and there's something going on with his back, we're not really sure what it is, and sit him out for an extended period of time, maybe even the rest of the season, and really, really tank this thing? Well, you could tank it. You would, like, improve your draft stock, and then also he wouldn't get that, that super max. Um, so you save yourself, what, like, $30-something million? Like, Hey, there's a lot of credence to it, but I, I certainly don't think we'll see uh, the Timberwolves take that route. I think they want to kind of see what they have here, both just in terms of like how good is their roster at full strength and, and how good is their new interim coach and is he the guy for the future. So I think they have a lot of questions they want to answer, and I know their owner has no interest in tanking. I think he thinks his team did that for long enough, but I, I think there's a lot of fans who would definitely be with you and say, hey, here's reasons one, two, and three why that is a fantastic idea. <laughs> Jace, how good is this team now that we're getting a little bit closer to them being at at full strength? And I mean, it kind of remains to be seen, maybe with since since Ryan took over. But I I gotta think that with depending on how close they are to getting Covington back and getting Tyus back and all of that, that that Ryan's gonna have a little bit more to work with now for these last twenty five games of the season. Right, and Tyus is not even on the injury report, so he's a go for tonight. Um, I think he's good just going forward here. Okay. Covington, like, not traveling on this trip, but I, I think, you know, I, I would guess about maybe like a week, and we and there's a decent chance I think that he's back in the lineup. Um, but I think we're pretty close to seeing them at full strength, but exactly how good they are, I don't know. Um, you know, Carl City Towns the other day was like, well, you know, we saw how good we were at full strength, and he pointed to the time right after the Butler trade. Tibbs was still the coach, and obviously they ripped off quite a few wins there um, in a good stretch, but... I don't know, because that wasn't a very good schedule either. Um, I think it'll be one thing to see how they do in this next three or four weeks. They've got some winnable games here. I think at that point we'll be able to see like, if they're at full strength and they win a lot of those. Like, Are you a competent team? Um, but after that, like, like the last three weeks, month of the season, it's a brutal stretch yeah. schedule against a lot of playoff teams, and not only playoff teams, like top-tier contenders who are expected to do some things in the playoffs. So I think that'll be kind of the best barometer, especially if they can stay healthy. Now, who knows if that'll happen, because it would be remarkable at this point if they could stay healthy. But if they could do that and, you know, win even just their fair share of games there, then you could point out and be like, oh, okay, maybe this could be a team that can do something, if not making the playoffs this year, then if they can just kind of keep some things together, they can do things going forward. Um, I, I think it's kind of a wait-and-see, we'll-find-out thing. And I feel the exact same way about Ryan Saunders, too. Um, you see a lot of people, and they formed opinions on whether or not he should be the, the coach moving forward, and it's like, how could you possibly know that right now with the roster he was coaching these last couple of weeks, it was like a lot of those guys, like when, when Jared Bayless and Isaiah Cannon are your backcourt, I mean, what NBA team is expecting to succeed <laughs> in that circumstance? I mean, he was playing those two together sometimes kind of out of necessity because they didn't have like a backup shooting guard. Um, so we'll find out. You know, I think we'll find out exactly what this team can do. We'll find out exactly what Saunders can do. I don't think it makes any sense to draw any conclusions up until we do see that full roster together, which I think is going to be sooner than later. I feel like, Jace, too, a, a, a challenge for Ryan might be once the roster is full and everybody's healthy for the most part is who's going to play and how much are they going to play? Like once, I mean, Josh Okogie's been getting a lot of playing time with, you know, with Derrick Rose missing games and Tyus being out and everything. So he, Josh, Josh has gotten his opportunity to play a lot. But now that, you know, Rose is back and playing and once Tyus is, you know, and Tyus is back in the rotation now, I mean, Ryan is going to have to figure out, you know, especially when Covington comes back too, 
he's going to have to figure out how to balance some of these minutes because when Tibbs was coaching the team, I mean, how many times did we see Josh Okogie either not play at all or when he did come into the game, it was only for a couple of minutes a night? Yeah, and I, I, you just look back at it's tough to even remember now because Okogie's played so much because seemingly they've never been at full strength. But, yeah, Okogie was not in the rotation at the start of the year when, when they were actually at full strength. Um, and I don't think anybody wants to see that. I don't think Ryan plans on doing that. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what he values just in terms of like, hey, Luol Deng's played really well here. If he continues to play well, how much do you play him? How much do you play Kogi, a younger guy who even when he struggled, like, you, you know he's kind of a piece you need to kind of develop. There's a balance there, and it'll be interesting to see how he does it as a coach, and I don't think a lot of people like the way that Tibbs did it um, or the reasons Tibbs was doing it. Uh, it was interesting to me yesterday, I think he said it, uh, Saunders was talking about lineup combinations and how they were kind of basing some things off of like, he was looking at some like, with their analytics department, like the plus minus and stuff, he's like seeing what lineups kind of work together, and I think that's kind of a refreshing take uh, for a lot of you know, people who follow the Timberwolves to hear because you didn't get the sense that was ever factored in really before. Uh, so maybe if he just kind of is tinkering with lineups, seeing what, what works, and maybe sticking with what works, well, then it's hard to fault that, uh, I guess, thought process. But uh, there's definitely a balance of, like, if you're trying to win, Luol Deng's playing extremely well. He's got to play. Uh, Derek Rose, like, uh, how well do you like his lineup combinations? Maybe he doesn't have to play even... 28 minutes a night. Maybe he can just play 20 minutes, and that opens up some minutes for people. Maybe Andrew Wiggins doesn't have to play 37 minutes a night. Can you cut that down and open up other opportunities? I actually think the deeper they go, maybe the better they'd be because it would mean some guys are maybe getting their minutes cut back a little bit. Um, but it's all things we're going to find out, and uh, it's going to kind of be part of Ryan Saunders' process. And I'm sure he's going to tinker with it, too. Like He probably has a plan for, like, okay, when we get back let's at full strength, let's try this and this. But I'm sure he will adjust as he sees things that do and don't work, which you don't know until you try it. Talking Wolves with Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. How much of Ryan Saunders or whoever whoever the next head coach is, how much of their fate do you think depends on Andrew Wiggins? Because I, I've said before, Jace, that I don't think it's the best course of action to stick with Andrew Wiggins as far as one of the major pieces on this team moving forward. If you can find somebody to take him off your hands, and I know that's a lot easier said than done, then you should do it. But if if the powers that be with the Wolves are are insisting on that and imposing that on whoever the GM and coach is, then you you got to hire your coach based on who can get the most out of Andrew Wiggins, right? Isn't that the course of action that you have to take if you're sticking to your guns with Andrew Wiggins and, and that max contract? Yeah, I just think if you're doing that, though, you're kind of setting up whoever the next coach is. You're setting that guy up to fail. I think like trying to pick any kind of type of coach and say that's the guy who can get the most out of Andrew Wiggins is a total guess. I mean, we've seen Andrew Wiggins have how many different types, types of coaches now. He's on coach number four, and they're all kind of different in their own ways, and Andrew Wiggins seems like kind of the same guy regardless. Um, I don't know if there is a coach who would like can snap their fingers and get the most out of him. I think Ryan Saunders will try different things and knows him well, and I think maybe we'll see what he can get out of him in this last 25 games here. But I just think Andrew Wiggins might be kind of who he is, uh, and I don't know if you should just determine the direction of your franchise. Well, I agree that, like, Andrew Wiggins' ceiling right now is kind of whatever that is is going to determine the ceiling of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't know if, like, we've, we've, there's enough sample size there and just enough, like, evidence of Andrew Wiggins' skill set and abilities where it's like, 
I don't know if there is somebody who can just come in and, and make Andrew Wiggins an all-star. And I, I don't know, maybe she have to come in to come up with plans B and C. I mean, think, okay, well, maybe Andrew is just kind of a, a small piece in this and who can help get the most out of Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I just, I don't think any coach should have to hitch their, wig- their wagon to Andrew Wiggins um, because it's not really a fair position to be in. I just think you're really setting someone up to fail if that's kind of the idea you have for a coach coming in. So on that note, on the note of Andrew Wiggins just being underwhelming and not really living up to the contract or the expectations that so many have, have placed on him. Jace, I look at this draft and it's so hard to tell, you know, who is going to be great and who's going to be a star and who's just going to be a decent player. But it, 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 you know, when you're in the position that this team is in right now, it seems like they're in a really tough spot because you make the playoffs as an eight seed and you're more than likely going to get swept by Golden State and your season's done and people are just kind of looking like and saying, well, that, okay, it was nice to make the playoffs again, but it didn't really accomplish anything. But they're not in a position to really likely have one of those top three or four picks. Now they could get lucky if they miss the playoffs and, and somehow land in the top three of the lottery, but it's not likely so now it's like with this team and with Wiggins being so underwhelming, it it feels like they've got to find a way to get a guy alongside Cat to be sort of that, that 1B to Cat's 1A if this team is ever really going to get to a point where they're competing for a championship. I totally agree with you there. And one thing that we talk about a lot is the teams who are advancing far in the playoffs, like are they doing so on the strength of – like an all-star big, or are they doing so on the strength of kind of an all-star point guard slash wing? And it's the latter, and it's because, you know, how many games the NBA, especially playoff games, are one in the last four minutes, most. Um, And how easy is it, I guess, to give the point guard or your wing the ball and have them dictate action? Pretty simple, just give them the ball, and they can kind of, you know, run your set or or just kind of simply run the pick and roll, whatever it may be. And it's so much more difficult to design things for like a Carl Anthony Towns and allow him to take the game late. Like it just a lot more goes into it. Um, and it's a lot easier for teams to kind of stop that plan and, and not let you run what you want to run uh, to get a big man the ball. You need a wing who can kind of wing games for you late and, and just kind of, I don't know, dictate the action, dictate the pace. You're right. And it's just like, it's almost like with the Wild, I always think like their biggest thing is, they don't have like a top 30 player in the NHL. And how are you going to win an NHL, a Stanley Cup without a top 30 player in your own league? Mm-hmm. The counterpoint is always, well, how do you get that? And in the NBA, it's like, okay, you need like an all-star level wing. It's like, yes, you can identify that problem, but how do you fix it? And that's why you see so many teams, I guess, try to tank. And because the draft is maybe the most obvious option, but for the Timberwolves, they're just stuck in this mud of like this mediocrity where it's going to be really hard for them to be bad enough, uh, especially with Carl Anthony Towns on the team and locked up like he should be, um, for them to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. And it's going to be hard for them to be one of the best teams in the NBA without that stellar wing next to them. I will say for this year, I think they're like their hope. I mean, obviously they want to make the playoffs. But from a fan perspective, if they can lose enough games where they're just like eighth or ninth worst, well, with this new reconstructed lottery format, I mean, you're at least, it's like 20-plus percent that you get a top-four pick if you just can finish eighth or ninth. So they just struggled on the stretch, which they really should against this schedule that they faced in the last month or so of the season. Maybe you can get into eighth or ninth, and now all of a sudden it's like one in four says you're having a top-four pick and then getting a potentially a guy that can 
change your franchise. Now, Lottery Luck has never played out in the Wolves' favor, but I think there's another opportunity this year, and you don't have to tank quite as far as you normally maybe would have had to to get that type of opportunity. What do you think the team's stance is on Derrick Rose at this point in terms of bringing him back next season, and how much do you think what he does and what the team does over the last 25 has, has a bearing or an effect on that? I think what he does over the last 25 has a bearing on his market in general. I think right now the team would be interested in bringing him back on another minimum deal just because of the fact that he has been a really good locker room presence. Uh, he's in a lot of different situations. He's kind of stepped up, whether it be helping Cat or maybe helping like Gorgie Jang, like dealing with his minute load, stuff like that. Like he's just stepped up in different situations and, and kind of kept the waters calm and kept guys positive and thinking the right way which is really valuable throughout an NBA season, especially with all the different bumps and ebbs and flows. Um, and especially like if Taj Gibson doesn't come back this year, like if he signs with somebody else, well, then there's only even more need for that veteran presence like Rose has been. Um, I think if, he, if the Timberwolves wanted to bring him back on a minimum, they probably could right now because Rose's health situation, I think, is going to scare a lot of teams off. So I don't exactly know what the market for him would be. Uh, but if Rose can stay healthy and play well over these last 25 games, then maybe other teams will be interested in him. Uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see. I don't necessarily love the way he fits in, just with like the flow of the game and, and how the offense can kind of stagnate. With both he and Wiggins out there, uh, especially like late in games when they go to that lineup, the offense gets really stagnant, which isn't surprising because you have a bunch, couple really ball-dominant players in there. So I don't necessarily love the way that he fits in, uh, but I just think that his fit in the locker room is pretty important for them right now. Last one before we let you go, Jace. Jeff Teague is a very, very interesting case for me because he's got the $19 million player option that, and I think on the surface you think, well, he's not going to turn down $19 million guaranteed for next year, but he could decline it and maybe seek like a three-year, $36 million contract and that sort of thing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going through Jeff's head. I don't think anybody really knows what he's thinking about right now, but what's your stance on him? And if he does decide to... Uh, pick up that option for next year. Where where does he fit in, and 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 how how viable is his is a positive role for him on this team for next year? Yeah, um, it's interesting, and I would be surprised if he turned that down because I don't even see like twelve million a year as his right. market. I guess uh, moving forward, especially with you know he's he struggled with the injuries and whatnot uh, yep. this this year and kind of help used to be like his big trademark. That was one of the reasons why they wanted him in Minnesota is, hey, here's a guy who's going to play 75-plus games for us. Uh, but just the fit, like you see these last couple games, he fits in much better when like Andrew Wiggins isn't on the court and he can, Jeff can kind of be the only ball-dominant guy and maybe surrounded a little by a little bit more shooting. Um, he, he likes to kind of dominate the ball, maybe get in the paint late, kick out to shooters. He can still be a good player. We've seen him be effective, especially in the last couple games before the break. Like, he was really effective in that role. Uh, but when like a guy like Wiggins is out there, like he's usually going to be, it just doesn't fit. Um, the nice thing about Teague is at least it becomes an expiring. Um, you know, it's, it's so almost impossible to trade this at, at the deadline here because you know it probably had another year tacked onto it. Well, now once that year is finally up, once this year is up and he just has one year left, maybe then he can move on from it. But otherwise, I mean, I think. If he can stagger his minutes with Wiggins a little bit better, I think he can have a little bit more of a role in the offense. But I also think if you're Minnesota, and I'd kind of be interested to see if they do this down the stretch, so I'm like, Tyus Jones is going to be a restricted free agent. Don't you kind of want to figure out exactly what you have there? Yes. And maybe maybe they already do know. Maybe Ryan Saunders, and you know, who knows if he'll even be here moving forward. But maybe the Timberwolves brass here thinks they know what they know, and it's like, why do we want to show that off even more um, for other teams to find out too? 
but I would like to see, like, okay, what exactly do we have in Tyus Jones? Do we think that he's somebody who is either just going to be a career-long backup or somebody who can evolve into our starting point guard? Just figure some things out, gather some information so you can make more informed decisions moving forward into, the, into a pretty important offseason here. Um, and then if that is the case uh, with Tyus and you do find out you like him and you are willing to spend in restricted free agency and either sign Tyus to a deal or match whatever he gets, well, then Jeff Teague really doesn't make sense coming off the bench, probably. Um, and you might just have to find a way to cut bait one way or another. Uh, I just think these last 25 games, seeing how Teague fits in with, I guess, their, the full roster again, seeing what role Tyus plays, seeing how much Derek plays, like there's so much that's going to be determined in these last 25 games, not just in win-loss, not just in who's in the front office, but also just in players and kind of how they fit into this team that we're just going to find out. That's Jace Frederick. Find his work covering the Wolves inside the Pioneer Press at pioneerpress.com and find him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. Nice, uh, nice to meet you, I guess, so to speak. Jace, I'm sure we'll talk again soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We'll hit a quick break. At uh, 5 o'clock, we will write things down. I don't know if I told you guys this. I'm very much looking forward to write that down today. That's because you did well. <laughs> That's only because you did well, Ronnie. I'm really, really looking forward to write that down coming up at 5 o'clock. And we'll talk some twins with Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers at uh, Twin Spring Training at 520. And there is news out of Twin Spring Training that Manny, me, and Jonathan will discuss right after this. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. No Mackie, no Judd. Manny's here. Jonathan Harrison. I'm Rami Makloff. And we're back right after this on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Ball hit well to the left center field, all the way back. Trout looking up. This ball's gone! Margo with a slam! That highlight courtesy of the Astros Radio Network. This is Mackie and Judd with Rami. No Mackie, no Judd. Manny Hill is here. Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass. And we're on the all-new Score North on 1500 scorenorth.com. We are the home to the most entertaining Minnesota sports podcast like Purple Daily, Purple Podcast. This show you're listening to, Score Nor Live with Matthew Collar, Touch Em All with uh, Patrick Royce, Royce Unchained, Raised by Wolves. Lots and lots of good programming here. All you got to do, you can find it all at scorenorth.com or search S-K-O-R North anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you downloaded the app, gave us a five-star rating, and followed us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. I know it sounds like a lot. You don't have to do it all at one time, but just do all those things i just listed off to you there and uh help us out as we try and grow a new thing here we're going to talk about marwin gonzalez in a second but uh we were talking about the uh the state of driving in minneapolis and the twin cities mm-hmm. when we were talking about the carl anthony towns incident earlier and uh jonathan you referenced a study that you saw mm-hmm. a couple of years ago somebody sent me an article from the chicago tribune that had a study from Allstate cited in it. I clicked straight through to the study from Allstate. Minneapolis, out of 200 cities that they rated, is the 127th in terms of safe driving in the entire country out of 200. And I find that even hard to believe. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> believe, oh trust me, I believe it. <laughs> no, I'm I think it's worse. It's that high. I think it's worse. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's an accurate measure. I think it's worse than that. And that's yeah. from that's from 2017. So it very well could have gotten worse. Yeah, it probably in the has two gotten years worse. since and since I moved. Just here. in the last three weeks alone, it's probably gotten worse. <laughs> I mean, gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing out there? All right, yeah. let's get to Marwin Gonzalez, who uh, today was signed uh, by the Minnesota Twins. Somebody said something about the Twins signing a free agent last week on Write That Down. I don't remember who or what that was exactly. We'll <laughs> recap course. it 
in our accountability session with Write That Down at 5 o'clock. But uh, Marwin Gonzalez, super utility man from the Houston Astros, has signed with the Minnesota Twins. He literally played every position but pitcher and catcher for the Astros last year. Had about 500 at-bats moving all over the field. Um, just some numbers for you on Marwin Gonzalez. If you're not familiar with them, a career 264, 318, 419 slash hitter. Averages about 15 homers per year. If you want to get real nerdy about it, he produced an 8.7 F4 over the past five seasons, including a four-war season in 2017 when the Astros won the World Series. Uh, there are things about this I like, Manny, and things about it I don't like. How do you feel about the signing of Marwin Gonzalez? I like it a lot. Um, the main reason why I like it a lot is because he is a guy, as you mentioned, that can play just about anywhere on the field, you know, save for pitcher and catcher, obviously. Um, so he, if if anything, I think at worst he is a insurance policy for someone that suffers an injury that, um, may keep them out for a very long time that he is a guy that in theory you can just plug in if if somebody gets injured like you know knock on wood if you know Max Kepler gets injured and has to miss significant time well Marvin Gonzalez is a guy that you can probably put in right field and and he can hold down that position for an extended period of time if 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 need be if Miguel Sano you know somehow gets injured or something like that well Marvin Gonzalez can step in at third base and be in theory, be very productive for you and 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 hold that spot down for a little while. Um, the only concern I may have about it is, while he was very very good in 2017, he wasn't quite as good in 2018, and he is, if I'm not mistaken, 29. So the only question he I really 29. have, yeah, the only question I have, he um, turns 30 in March. Yeah, see, and and the the only question I have is, he was very good in 2017. Is that the best that he's ever going to be? Is that more of a pop-up year? Sort of, is that year more of an anomaly for him? Because if you look at the other years, 2015, he had 279, 12 home runs, drove in 34. 2016, 13 home runs, 51 uh, driven in, hit 254. Last year, 16 home runs, 68 driven in, um, in uh, 489 at-bats, and he hit 247. So is, is what they're getting... The 2017, closer to the 2017 Marwin Gonzalez or closer to 15, 16, 18 Marwin Gonzalez. That's the only concern that I have. I believe in larger sample sizes Mm -hmm. and the larger sample size says he's closer to that guy in 2015, 16 and 18. But I still I I do the levels that I like the signing on are a I think he's just a good baseball player and very versatile baseball player. He makes your roster a little bit more talented and helps you out in that aspect. And I'm a big believer. Some people will poo-poo this. Um, I saw it firsthand in my previous stop before I came to Minneapolis in Milwaukee of guys who have, who have been to the mountaintop before and putting them in a clubhouse full of young ball players and, and letting that sort of, even even if they're not vocal leaders, but letting some of that rub off on them. Guys pick up on those things, and I think that's a lot of what's behind the, the Marwin Gonzalez signing. I think that was a lot of what was behind the Nelson Cruz signing. Yep. These are guys who have track records of success, who have who have been on winning baseball clubs. Pennant-winning baseball Pennant-winning baseball yes. clubs, World Series-winning baseball clubs. And I think having those guys in the clubhouse can 
have a big impact on chemistry and guys as they learn how to win. And you're looking at a Twins organization right now that overall is young and their two biggest prospects and two guys who most of their hopes rest on at, as far as the immediate future of the franchise in Sano and Buxton are two guys who, and probably more so Sano than, than Buxton, but two guys who seemed it, they needed some good influence. I'll just put it that way in mm-hmm. term, in terms of learning what it takes to be a professional baseball player over the course of a 162 game season. So those are, those are the two things I like about it. Uh, the thing I really don't like about it, this is probably a little bit predictable if you've been listening to my, my twins analysis at all. I think I know where you're going with this. As if Marwin Gonzalez is your super utility guy. <laughs> What in the hell is going to happen to my guy, William Zastadio? <laughs> because right right now, he, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm going to yell about this with Derek Wetmore when he joins us at 520 from Fort Myers. It looked like Astadio was the leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, as far as being the utility guy. He could play some right field. He could play some catcher. He could play some third, first, maybe even some left field. What what does this mean for the fate of Williams Astadio and whether or not I have to boycott the 2019 <laughs> Minnesota Twins? Like I told Thad Levine I would do if Astadio does not make the roster. This has implications on my guy, does it not? Yeah, I think it, it may have a little. But... And he has options. He has minor league options, as Derek likes to point out to me whenever we talk about Astadio and his chances of making the roster and his fate with the Twins. I'm worried that they saw an opportunity to get a guy like Marwin Gonzalez at, at, a, at a pretty affordable price. It was a two-year, $21 million deal. And while while he plays that out, you can you can save yourself some service time with Williams Astadio and, and keep him in the minor leagues for a little while, which I, doesn't make me happy. Can I provide you with a little bit of optimism? Please, I need it. Tweet from very good friend of this uh, station, Dan uh-huh. Hayes of The Athletic, who mm-hmm. covers the Minnesota Twins for The Athletic. I believe uh, he's doing a uh, Five Questions podcast with Derek Wedmore coming soon at scorenorth.com. Yes, and uh, we, we really like Dan, and Dan's great, and we always appreciate his contributions to us. Uh, so about three hours ago, Dan tweets out, uh, Marwin Gonzalez uh, will play everywhere for the Twins. He's going to get 500 plate appearances, move around the diamond, can spell Sano at third, Polanco at short, Crone at first, yada, yada. Then he uh, begins to add in a following tweet, and this is, I, when I saw this, I thought of you and our guy, Patrick Royce, specifically. Okay. Dan says, and because you're thinking it, and I was thinking of you, Williams Ostadio still has a very good chance to make the 25 man roster. Okay. He's popular with fans, he can catch, he's very versatile, and even though he's only had a little bit of experience, he's beloved by teammates, coaches, and the front office. But is so there going to be playing time for him? Because where? what do you do? With... I think there could be. Okay. I hope so. I don't want to boycott the Twins my first year working here. That's not <laughs> That's not a good way to start, is it? I think there could be some at-bats for him. All right. I hope so, man. I and really... not just, I mean, and, and listen, I mean, it, it may not necessarily always be him in the starting lineup two or three times a week, but there will be pinch-hitting opportunities for Williams Astadio. And I mean that's I mean, for me it's that's gold for yeah, me. You are, because I mean, if, if if Williams Astadio is gonna come in in a late game situation and it's gonna take you know, we're in the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning, and we know those innings usually take longer anyway because there's pitching changes and mm-hmm. switches and all that stuff. Well, we know Williams Astadio is gonna come up and put the ball in play. 
He's not going to foul off a bunch of pitches. He's going to he's not going to draw a walk. He's not going to strike out. He's going to step up to the plate and put the ball in play. So that's going to move the game along very quickly. I'm, There's I value mean, there. There's look, value there. As long as he makes the roster and yes. he and he gets some playing time, I think he's. I think he's I'm still good. got a shot. But I really would like to see Big Boy out there chasing down some fly balls. <laughs> I just, you know what? Okay. I just want to see him running the bases. Again. That too. I want that's all that. All I really, the more, I, that's all I really the more as to deal, I could, I can get the better. We have uh, breaking NFL news. Do you have a breaking news sounder for me, Jonathan? You actually just sent me this news. Break. Do we have? There it is. My Chicago Bears have decided to release kicker Cody Parkey at the at the start of the league year. Sources I am say, shocked. <laughs> a fresh start is welcomed by both parties, and the Pro Bowler will likely find work quickly, according to Ian Rappaport. He's still due $3.5 million guaranteed on his 2019 contract. The writing was on the wall when he went on the, the Today Show, though, right? Yes. And what I mean, is, we knew this was going to happen. What is this world coming to when a kicker has $3.5 <laughs> million guaranteed to him after he's been cut by his football team because he's not good. <laughs> hey, listen, I just remember when Blair Walsh missed that kick against the Seahawks in the playoffs, he was going to schools and talking with kids, and kids were cheering him on and all of that stuff. And yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was an interesting uh, did you guys, interesting time did you guys for follow that tour a, closely? a kicker that uh, did you blew that? a playoff game for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Let's. Okay, let's, so let's, this, let's announce him as a conquering hero because he shanked a twenty-seven yard field goal. So this anger will linger for me for years, huh? Based on, yeah, based on how you're handling oh, yeah, yeah. Blair. Okay, oh, you're yeah. never it's gonna not, get over it. Okay, I mean, Rami, this pain lasts. Rami, yes. you gotta okay. understand. Gary Anderson missed that kick against the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC Championship game twenty years ago. <laughs> it was twenty years ago, and Vikings fans are not even remotely close to being over that yet. So you are. We're going to be, it's 2019, it's going to be 2039, and you are still, as a Bears fan, going to be talking about Cody Parkey missing that kick and it hitting. And see, you've got it even tougher because he hit the uprights twice. 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 On one kick. Do we have to do this? Do we have to do this right now? (laughs) That ain't going away, man. That memory ain't going away for a long time. You know what's going to make me feel better, though? (laughs) Write that down. I like it. Coming up next on Mackie and Judd with Rami. We write things down. We bring up things that we've written down before and hold each other accountable for it. Big predictions, hot takes coming up next on Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com.